Appreciate y'all being here this evening and uh, excited to start off our fall study in Psalm 119. I had asked this uh, previously, and I'm just curious tonight as we uh, look at this great psalm together tonight, how many of you um, have ever been in a study specifically on Psalm 119, not a Psalms study, but Psalm 119. I'm just curious, how many of you? Put your hands up real high if you had before. One, two, looks like two of you. So um, that was what we saw earlier when I introduced this, that not many of us have been on a study on Psalm, one, or in a study on Psalm 119 specifically. And uh, the other question I had asked, and we had about the same amount of hands, maybe a couple more, was how many have ever read through Psalm 119 in, in one sitting not for a Bible reading program where you're reading through the Bible in a year, for example, but you just sat down and you were like, you know what, I'm going to read through Psalm 119, or you were just doing your Bible reading and you read through it. And again, there wasn't very many hands. So I had asked you to do something in preparation for tonight, and this is, you're not getting any special stars or rewards. I'm just curious. I had asked that um, if you would read through Psalm 119 five times between when we finished up in the summer and our first night tonight, uh, when we get into this. And so I'm doing this for a purpose. How many of you actually did that? Five times, read it through. Put your hands up so I can see. A++ stars for all the people with their hands up. Well done. Um, <clears throat> if you didn't, if you didn't, there's still time. Uh, my desire would be for all of us to be reading through this psalm. So work on getting through it five complete times uh, during the course of this study. If you could do more than that, great. Uh, but there is something to be said when at one time, you can devote to reading through it. Now, I read through this a bunch of times this week and timed it. And it took anywhere from nine and a half minutes up until like 13 and a half to 14 minutes to read through Psalm 119 in one sitting. I read it out loud. It took 11 minutes and 44 seconds to read it out loud. And uh, I'll tell you why in just a minute. But um, it doesn't take a great deal of time when you put that into perspective, if it takes you anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes to read through Psalm 119 in one sitting, that isn't a great deal of time in perspective of the, the day. Um, and so you can do it, okay? And the reason I'm encouraging you to do that is there is so much in this psalm that I think is magnified when you take the time to read through it um, and read through it in one sitting. Charles Spurgeon, who was known as a great preacher, um, made these comments about Psalm 119. He said, this wonderful psalm, from its great length, helps us to wonder at the immensity of Scripture. From its keeping to one subject, it helps us to adore the unity of Scripture, for it is but one. Yet from the many turns it gives to the same thought, it helps you to see the variety of Scripture. Some have said that in it there is an absence of variety, but that is merely the observation of those who have not studied it. I have weighed each word and looked at each syllable with lengthened meditation, and I bear witness that this sacred song has no tautology in it, but is charmingly varied from beginning to end. Its variety is that of a kaleidoscope. From a few objects, a boundless variation is produced. In the kaleidoscope, you look once, and there is a strangely beautiful form. You shift the glass a very little, and another shape, equally delicate and beautiful, is before your eyes. So it is here. Those were his comments about this incredible psalm. Um, much of this psalm uh, is in reference to the Word of God. Uh, the, the psalmist, the one who's writing this, there's a lot of debate about who wrote it. Uh, some believe it was Ezra that wrote it. Some believe it was David that wrote this. Some believe it was a collection of various authors. The author is not specifically mentioned uh, for the psalm. But um, many believe that this psalm purposefully was used as, as a, basically over the course of someone's life, a recording of all that they saw from the, from the truth of God's word and from his law and his precepts, etc. So um, it's a very valuable psalm. Now as we look at this psalm in this study, there are eight different terms that you're going to see um, referring to scripture in Psalm 119. Eight primary terms that are going to be used here. It's going to be referenced as the law, as testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, ordinances, word or promise or promises, rules or judgments. Depending on your translation, some translations will use the word rules, some will use the word judgments, some translation will use the word word and promise interchangeably, synonymously with each other. So these are the eight primary terms that are going to be used in referring to Scripture 
in Psalm 119. And we're going to keep that up on the screen for just a minute because um, we're going to do something that I think is going to be profitable for us, and so stay with me. Um, but it's interesting when you read this psalm and, and you look at the, the amount of time, effort, and focus that is given to God's Word, you have to walk away from reading it thinking about how important, how significant, and valuable, and necessary the Word of God is for our daily living. And I think what you're going to see over these next uh, weeks, these 10 weeks that we're together for the study this fall, is that the Word of God um, is valuable and specific and important and necessary for pretty much every area of our lives and everything that we might face or come across in our lives, whether it is relationships, whether it is victories or defeats, whether it is struggles in regards to sin, uh, if it's adversaries that we are up against, if it's emotional needs, physical needs, health needs, spiritual needs, God's word has answers and God's word proves itself to be um, so valuable and necessary for us. And I think we'll see that as we read through this psalm. Now, if you've ever read Psalm 119 or you've looked at it, and if you look in your Bibles, if you have it before you, or even these sheets that were printed out, you'll notice that there are different words that are over sections. And what we're going to be covering tonight are the first two sections, which is Aleph and Baith. And those are Hebrew alphabet letters, okay? Uh, There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And this psalm is broken up into 22 sections of eight verses. Each section is headed by a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Baith, Gimel, Daleth. It goes all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. And that's how this psalm is separated into these sections of eight. What we'll be seeking to do each night is cover two sections each night that we're here for the study. There are two weeks, I believe, where three sections are covered, um, but it's going to be pretty consistently two sections, two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, there's a lot of reasons why this could have been constructed this way. Um, Some believe it was constructed this way because if they were going to be referring to Psalm 119, there's 176 verses, and if there's not verses broken up in the original, it'd be very difficult to be like, yeah, turn to this word in this, because nothing's broken up. So this is broken up in sections of eight, so it would be easy to say, hey, turn to, you know, under uh, Baith, uh, which would be, you know, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, to this part of it, and you could get there quickly, because it's broken up according to the Hebrew alphabet. Some believe the reason that this is this way is it was because someone who was writing this wrote it over the progression of their life, and so as they wrote this over the progression of their life, as they got closer to the end of their life, that's when they brought things to a conclusion in the last letters of the alphabet. That's speculation. We don't know. What we do know is God has has provided this for us, and it is introduced to us in these sections, and so we're going to do our best to stay faithful to how these sections are uh, broken up in the psalm, because they're there for a reason and on purpose, and so uh, we're going to study it as such. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I don't want you to check out, okay? Um, we're going to read through Psalm 119, okay? I'm going to read this through, and it takes about 11 minutes and 44 seconds. Don't time me because it might take a little bit more than that. But what I did is at your tables, there are pens and there are also highlighters if you're a highlighter type person. I asked um, the ladies to print these off on purpose because what I want you to do is as you see these eight words on it, every time that you see one of these words show up on your paper or in your Bible, I'd like you to highlight it on your paper or circle it or underline it because I, I want you to see how much the Word of God, God's Word, is referenced in this psalm. It's a a powerful thing. And so I know it can be easy when you're reading a lengthy passage like this to, like, go to sleep, to check out, to let your mind wander, to think about the football game later, to think about whatever, the Browns lose, whatever you could think about in your mind. It's easy to get distracted over things when you're reading something that's that long. So what I did is, is I want you to be what we would term as active listeners. So you're looking for this as we're reading through this. Take note of how many times God's word is referenced in this psalm as I read through this for us tonight. And I think you'll be encouraged and blessed just by that. And, and so we're going to start there. I didn't want to have a study on Psalm 119 where at least once in our study we did not read the entirety of the psalm. So we're doing that tonight, and I think it will be beneficial just to hear and listen and read God's word. Um, and you might be here, and this has never been done. You, you've never read through the entirety of the psalm. This is number one for you then, right? I asked five times. You're starting tonight with one time through. It's doable. So you can follow along if you have a copy of God's word. If you want to use those sheets to highlight, underline, 
do that. Uh, those are yours to keep. You can take those with you, and you can bring them back, and each week write on those. But uh, just follow along as we get into this great psalm. Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. 
Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. 
With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help, I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in all of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord. I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. took us 12 minutes, 12 minutes to go through that. So you can do that 12 minutes, once a week. Next few weeks, you'll get to five times pretty quickly. If you take out that paper, though, and you highlight it, and you look at that paper, there are between, depending on the translation that you're using and how the word is translated, 172 to 180 times, I think it's 172 to 178 times, that there's a reference made to God's word in those 176 verses. Um, I think that God was trying to get our attention when it comes to the importance and necessity um, of his word in our lives. And uh, there is so much. Now, I hope you were able to pay a little bit of attention to some of what was being said in here. But if you listen to Psalm 119 and you read through it again, you will notice that the psalmist references the word of God in good times and in bad times, in times of triumph, in times of defeat, in times when everything seems secure and going well, and in times when it feels like everybody is oppressing him and coming against him, in times where mentally everything's great, and in times where mentally he feels defeated and utterly destroyed and helpless, he turns to God's word again and again, and again, and again. And so my desire in this study, and one of the reasons I picked Psalm 119, the study, is I wanted us to have a, a better grasp and understanding of the necessity of God's word, of the importance of studying and knowing and hiding God's word in our heart, but also the necessity of our obedience to God's word as men who want to honor Christ. And, and I think it's going to be very valuable these next 10 weeks for us to do that. So here's what I'd like us to do uh, before we go any further in the study tonight. Uh, we are not having discussion questions tonight. Instead, what I want to do is give you some time at your tables to pray. And specifically praying for these next 10 weeks, these four different areas uh, that would take place. You can pray for each other at your tables, for our study as a whole, for other men that will be joining us in these next 10 weeks. But we want to pray for these four things. One, for wisdom and insight as we study together. My hope and my prayer is that when you come here each week, you will come ready to study God's word, take some notes, look at the passage that's before us, and ask God to search you and know you, and that you would take something in regards to God's word that night and say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek to do this. Uh, I want this to impact me in a way that's going to be honoring. So for wisdom and insight as we study. Two, for a greater passion and love for God's word. For a greater passion and love for God's word. I, I was going to use this as an illustration, but... Um, I couldn't, I didn't have access, but um, if you have 
like any special vitamins that you take or you have any, um, you know, medications that you take that you are needing to take because of what it does for your body. Uh, I was going to bring in these things that I had that, like, the promise with these pills uh, was that it would do magical things for your health, okay? And, and if you take these things, um, it would just give you all these health benefits. If you truly believe that you could take something that would give you everything you want as it relates to your physical health and well-being, and all you had to do is each morning remember to take a pill. Most of us would be like, give me the pill. I'll take the pill, and I will remember to take it. If we truly wanted what this offered and we believed it would take place. Here's the amazing thing about God's Word. When you look at Psalm 119 and you read of all of the quote-unquote benefits of the Word of God in our lives, when we read Psalm 119 and we see all of the benefits and all of the positives and all of the growth and all of the answers and all of the impact that the psalmist makes mention of God's word in his life, if we truly believe that, if we believe that, then we should have such a great passion and love for God's word that cannot be matched. There's a couple times in this psalm, if you heard it, where he said, I desire your commandments, your laws, your rules, your statutes. He said, more than any riches, I desire your word and your commandments, your laws, your rules. He said, I delight in it more than any spoils, more than anything that that I could take in this world. I desire and long for and want and and want to have your word, your statutes. Do you notice how many times the word was translated rules? Uh, that, that's how it was translated in our English Bibles, and that also be, can be used for the word judgments. How many times that he referenced the rules or judgments or laws of God as that which he just completely delights in? I mean, isn't that the farthest thing from our natural thinking as human beings when we think of rules, laws, and judgments? The word delight does not typically you know, go hand in hand with that. But for the psalmist, he recognized like this is not just man's stuff this is from God and so if we have this perspective and understanding of the word of God it changes things so for a greater passion and love for God's word number three for solidified commitment to follow and obey God's word that as men we would be we would be solidified in our commitment to follow and obey God's word doers of the word and then number four for renewed conviction to share God's word with others If we believe all of these things are true of God's word in our own lives as believers, shouldn't we equally be passionate about sharing that word with others? Letting them know of of who God is and what God has done and the power and impact of the word of God. And so I'm just going to ask you guys to take a few minutes at your tables to pray for these four specific areas uh, that we would together seek to do these things over these next 10 weeks. God would be glorified in that, and we would have a greater passion, desire, hunger for taking in God's word, for studying God's word, for valuing God's word, for doing God's word, and sharing God's word, Uh, not just these next 10 weeks, but... Uh, as long as the Lord grants us life to do that. So just take a few minutes at your tables to pray. These will be kept up on the screen, and then we'll get into the first section uh, with the time we have left. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word, and uh, we thank you for the power of God's word that we know is so real. Uh, God, we've experienced that in our own lives as followers of Christ, that your word has transformed us and continues to transform us. We thank you for your spirit that uh, bears witness with our spirit that we are your children Uh, your spirit that teaches us and leads us and guides us in your word. And uh, we would ask that, um, Lord, we would be sensitive to uh, your word and the spirits leading in our lives as we study these next 10 weeks. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to grow in wisdom and insight together. I pray that you would give us just a love and passion for your word, even as Job uh, explained that he desires the words of your mouth more than his necessary food, that we would have this same perspective that we need your word in our lives, Lord. And we pray that we would have a solidified commitment in obeying and following your word, that where you speak, God, we would listen. Uh, where you call us to move, we would obey and that we would be quick to stand firmly on your word with commitment, and that we would also be faithful in sharing your word with others, Lord, uh, that we would love others in that way, uh, that we would not keep your word and your gospel from them, but in love we would be faithful. We commit our time this evening to you, ask that you would open our eyes to your truth so that you are glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's jump in here to the first section, because I don't want to keep you guys 
all night long, but uh, verses 1 through 16, Aleph and Baith, uh, two sections. We're going to breeze through this. Um, we have a little less time tonight for the actual study because we read through the whole text, but I, I want to jump into some things I think are real important to see, uh, starting with verses uh, 1 through 6, because he begins this section, this first section, with the, using the words, blessed are those. Blessed are those. And, and he goes in and talks about really six different areas in verses 1 through 6 uh, about following that phrase, blessed are those. And so let's look at those first six verses. Blessed are those, first he says, whose way is blameless. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read through that, and if you look at the rest of the list that's there, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, and who walk in his ways. If you look at that list and you look and say, do I do any of those things completely? Probably we're going to have to be honest and say, no, 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 all six, to say that we do those all the time at every time. Right? Look at that list. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Is there anybody who can say, obviously not, not thinking of the stance we have before God through Christ as being righteous, but can we think of any single person in our lives who we would say their conduct, their character, their day-to-day living always, every time, 100% of the time is blameless? Um, unless you personally uh, you know, have Jesus in your house with you that you're observing on a daily basis, no one matches that. Uh, Only Christ, right? Only Christ can it be truly said walked and lived blamelessly at all times. Uh, So none of us could fit that bill. Just that one, blessed is the one whose way is blameless. Now, in Christ, how magnificent is it that we are seen as blameless in God's sight because his righteousness has been imputed to our account, right? We are seen as righteous because of what Jesus has done. But the psalmist says, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord. I hope we're doing that, right? I hope that we're walking in the law of the Lord. But again, perfectly, all the time, every day, every moment, every hour, every second, probably not. Um, Should we be? Yes. Does God give us what we need to? Yes. But you're probably sitting here thinking as I am, I can't say 100% of the time that's always the case because there are times that I'm not walking in the exact way that God wants me to or my thoughts aren't exactly what my thoughts should be before the Lord or my motivations aren't exactly what they should be before the Lord or the intents of my heart. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Do we keep his, his word? Do we walk in, keep in, desire his word at all times in, in all ways? Blessed are those who seek him with their whole heart, holding nothing back. Holding nothing back. There's nothing that we're, we're leaving back. There's nothing. Everything is fully given over to this. Everything. Have you ever watched a sporting event where the person on the field is hustling and literally sacrificing, throwing their whole body into what they're doing because they, the only thing they're worried about is doing what needs to be done on that field. So they're giving what the people say. They're giving 110%. Like they're giving more than 100%. They're giving everything. And then there's the person that's like just kind of not. That, you know, they're there and they're like, I don't really care. And you could tell the difference in their demeanor and their hustle and their attitude and what they're willing to put forth. This passage says, blessed are those who seek him with their whole heart. Wonder what that would look like on a daily basis if the follower of Christ, the child of God, were seeking him with their whole heart. No division there. No division there. Singular focus. Singular passion. Singular desire. He says, blessed are those that, that do that, who seek him with their whole heart. Then how about this one? Blessed are those, verse 3, who also do no wrong. Who do no, and some of you will be like, well, I don't, let me ask your wife, right? If, you've, if you do no wrong, blessed are those who do no wrong. How about that one? Blessed are those 
who do no wrong, who walk in his ways. Again, when we read this first list, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, who walk in his ways. You read that and think, man, no one can perfectly do all those things. And it's similar to what the Bible talks about, the law being that which was our schoolmaster revealed to us that we needed a savior. Because no one can perfectly do all of these things. Now, we have the luxury of having God's word Old and New Testaments. We have the luxury of having the gospel of Christ that we can read and study and share. We've been recipients of the grace of God. We know that we have been made righteous in God's sight because of Jesus. But even these standards, these blessed are those, dot, 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 are clear revealers of the need of of a Savior. Because no one can do these things perfectly, blamelessly, all the time, 100% of the time. It just can't be done apart from Christ. We need this. But we should be striving after these things. So it is not an excuse to not pursue after that which God calls us to pursue because we say that sometimes we fail. It's not an excuse to not pursue these things, to not prioritize these things, to not move forward in these things. Blessed are those, if you just look at this list and you say, okay, I'm going to seek these things, the next 10 weeks could change your life. If you are actively pursuing and seeking to be blameless before the Lord, to walk in the law of the Lord, to keep his testimonies, to seek him with your whole heart, to do no wrong in the eyes of the Lord, and to walk in his ways. If you're seeking to do those things, your life's going to look a lot different probably this next week. If you and I are proactively seeking to do these things. It's a pretty, pretty amazing list. He goes on, verse 4, You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. You've commanded it. So we look at this and say, well, who can really keep God's word like all the time? God's commanded it. So whether or not we do it or whether or not we struggle at doing it or we're faithful at doing it, he's commanded it. So the psalmist says, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. You see the longing and desire of his heart? God, you've commanded it. Therefore, I'm desiring it. When was the last time we thought that? That we know what God's word says, and even if we don't like it, and even if we're like, I don't agree with that, because God has said it, we are desiring it. Because God has said it, we are committed to it. Maybe there's something that jumps out in your mind that you've been struggling with, and you're like, I know what God says about this, but man, that's a struggle. Okay, but you're still commanded to do it and to pursue it. That's what the psalmist says here. He's making this known. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Look at verse 6. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Guys, can I just say something? Look at verse 6 again as men. The heartache, the pain, the shame, the defeat... The feeling of letdown, turmoil, broken homes, broken marriages, broken relationships, loss of jobs, the destruction of character and integrity, reputation and testimony before the Lord that would be avoided if we would fix our eyes on all of his commands and we would pursue them and do them. Look at what he says in verse 6. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. Do we realize how much shame, disappointment, turmoil, destruction, chaos could be remedied if we would just be found faithful to God's word? The decisions that we would make and that we would not make. The sin that we would avoid. The shame that would be reduced if we would just get this thing right. If we would just commit to following the commands of the Lord to fix our eyes on these things. I love this transition he makes in verse 7 I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules what is it that God 
wants us to do. Well, he says, blessed are those who do these things. This is this commitment. This is what he says, I will. I will do these things. I will praise you with an upright heart. Don't we have many reasons to give God praise? If you read about the expectations God has, and you're like, yeah, there's no way. But what praise can be given to God that through Christ there is a way? What praise can there be given to God that although our sins are many, God's grace is far greater? What praise could be given to God and to praise his great name with an upright heart because he's given us a new heart. He's given us a new heart to live, a new mind to function with. He says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. It's a given. Learn his righteous rules. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know a lot about God's word. Learn about God's word. Study God's word. Take in God's word. Know God's word. It's not an excuse, is it, for us as believers to be like, well, I just don't know what the Bible says about that. Then study what the Bible says about that. Learn what the Bible says about that. Live what the Bible says about that. There's people who have been believers for years and years and years of their life, and you're like, yeah, I never really knew that the Bible talked about that. Find out what the Bible says. Study God's word. Have a passion for God's word. Learn. And he says, I'll praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. This is what's amazing to me. When we think of rules, when we think of laws, when we think of judgments, when we think of standards, people always give us kind of like, oh boy. Like when people talk about Christianity, like I love Christianity, but there's so many rules and God is just a God of rules and God has all these commandments. You know what those that knew God and loved God thought about the law of God, the rules of God, the judgments of God? This is what his conclusion was. He says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. There's no, I don't want to know what the rules are because if I don't know, I can't be found guilty for them. You know what he says? When I learn your righteous rules, your precepts, your commandments, your judgments, your laws, I will praise you with an upright heart. Knowing and digesting and living out God's word should cause you and I as followers of Christ to rejoice and praise him, not resent him. It should cause us to praise, rejoice, and worship him, not have a, a mindset of ill towards him. Because people say all the time, Christianity is no fun because it's just a big, long list of rules. No, God's rules, laws, statutes, precepts, judgments are for our good and for his glory. They're that which helps us, as he said earlier, that I would not be put to shame. I will love and follow and learn your commandments. Guys, listen. If you want to not be put to shame as you seek to live in this life for the Lord, then follow his word. If you want to have good relationships, live out his word. If you want to have a good reputation with people inside the church and outside the church, obey his commands. If you want to have people that know you're a man of integrity and character, if you want to know that your position before God is right and true as you walk in this life, love, learn, and live his word. That's what he says here. He says, I will not be put to shame when I fix my eyes on all your commandments. That's what God's desire is for us as his children, as followers of Christ, that we would walk in his ways. And when we do that, we will praise him with an upright heart. We will seek and desire to learn his word, and we will keep, he says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. God never forsakes us or leaves us. He never leaves us alone. Jesus said, I'm with you always. We have every reason to pursue after obedience to God's word. And every reason and every tool we need to do just that. And so when you look at this first section, this Aleph first, one through eight, this first section of the, the Hebrew alphabet, the letter there uh, for the Hebrew alphabet, and you look at all this, God's word is emphasized uh, seven times in this passage at least, just in these first eight verses. And the psalmist is beginning by talking about the one that's blessed, and then as a result of knowing that, what his commitment is to the Lord. I will Keep your statutes, learn your rules, praise you with an upright heart. Now, let's get to the next one, Baith, and this is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time uh, because verse 9 starts with a question. Let's be honest for a second as men here. This is a question that there are probably literally thousands and thousands of books written to this subject matter because look at the question in verse 9. The question is this, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now listen, if we were to advertise this Bible study for Psalm 119 and the title of the study was Guaranteed Way to Keep Your Way Pure as a Man of God, I think a lot of heads would have perked up, maybe eyes perked up, ears would have opened up, and people would have been like, man, I need to know that. 
I need to know that. How can a young, and, and here's what's interesting to me is it'd be one thing if he's just like, how can, how can old men keep their ways pure? He's specifically, how can a young man, you know how hard it is for a young man to keep his way pure? It's just as hard as far as old men as well. But what is given here is that when you are at a youthful age, when you're considered a young man, the time when men would go into getting into a marriage relationship and entering into this marriage relationship, this is what Paul references in 1 Corinthians when he talks about if you're burning in your passion for one another, let each man have his own wife and each wife have her own husband because there's a burning passion and desire there that you would pursue a marriage relationship. And this is what he says in the psalm here. How can a young man keep his way pure? Now, this isn't just speaking of sexual sin, of keeping your way pure when it comes to your mind, when it comes to sexual temptation or lust. It's not just speaking of, uh, you know, the act of sexual activity. It's keep his whole way pure, right, holy, blameless before God. How is it that a young man can keep his way pure? How can we be faithful and holy and right before God and live rightly before God? How is that possible? This is a question that every single man who follows God should have on their mind and should be the desire of every single one of our hearts here tonight. That if you're here tonight and you have a relationship with Christ, it should be the desire of your heart and of my heart to keep our way pure before the Lord. No matter what stage of life you're in, if your desire and my desire before God is, God, I want to keep my way pure before you, then we need to re-examine what our desire is because we should desire to be holy as God is holy, to be set apart from that which is sinful and evil, to be pure before the Lord. And so he asks the question, how is it possible? How can a young man keep his way pure? It's a simple answer, the second part of verse 9, by guarding it according to your word. By guarding it according to your word. You know what the lofty, massive, long, thousands and thousands of books written about how a young man can keep his way pure? You know what the answer the psalmist gives in the statement at the second part of verse 9? How can a young man keep his way pure? He says it very simply here. By guarding it according to your word. Guys, do you realize how beneficial, powerful, and effective the word of God is in our lives? He asks a question that people have asked for thousands of years. How can a young man keep his way pure? And the answer is by guarding it. By guarding what? By guarding his way according to to your word, by guarding his way according to your word, by guarding it according to your word. Then verses 10 and 11, with my whole heart I seek you, let me not wonder from your commandments, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we could ask the question that would follow that, how do we guard our way according to God's word? How do we guard our way according to God's word? He's going to give an answer, and I want to just Close out by looking at these basically eight things under the answer of how do we guard our way according to God's word. And here's what I, I find so interesting about that. Because we can ask the question, how does a young man keep his way pure? That's a, that's a question that everybody needs to know the answer to. But how about this? How about if I ask the question, how is it possible that I might not sin against God? If I said to you, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. How are you going to go about not sinning against God? God doesn't want you to sin, right? How many of you believe God doesn't want us to sin? Put your hands up. Go ahead. Everybody's hands will be up. God does not want you to sin. If you think he does, you're wrong. He doesn't. God does not want you to sin. And so if I said, that's great. God doesn't want you to sin. So what's your strategy? How are you going to go about living without sinning? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? People are like, well, accountability, that's great. And, and I'm going to be in church, and I'm going to bear burdens, and I'm going to confess my faults, and I'm going to put safeguards in place, and I'm going to have an accountability partner, and I'm going to meet with people, and I'm going to tell them all my things, and I'm going to confess my faults, and blah, 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 blah. And those aren't bad things. Those are, many of those things are biblical things. But here's what he narrowed it down to. He said, how is it that I might not sin against you? Look at verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know what he says the secret is, if you will? It's no secret. It's spelled out here. You know what he says the, the, the rule in his mind is for not sinning against God? It's storing up God's word in his heart that I might not sin against you. You know what the answer is for keeping his way pure? Guarding his way according to God's word. Guys, listen. We literally could stop right there in the next 10 weeks 
build off of just those two statements that the psalmist makes. How does he mean keep his way pure? By taking heed according to your word, or guarding his way according to your word. What do I have to do so that I don't sin against God? I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In both answers, where's the emphasis? The emphasis is on the word of God. That's the emphasis. And here we are in a room of about 107 guys, 108 guys in this room. Many of us have our our personal copy of the word of God with us. Every single one of us had six copies of Psalm 119, God's word at our tables. Many of us in our cars have another copy of God's word or at our houses have another copy of God's word. And we have our phones that have a Bible app on them that we can access at any time that we want to. And we might even have something in our, in our car playing on the radio or in a CD player or whatever on our iPods when we listen during the day or podcasts that we're listening to during the day of God's word, God's word, God's word, God's word. Available, 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 available. And the psalmist says, how do I keep my way pure? How do I not sin against God? By taking heed according to your word, by guarding my way according to your word by hiding your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what's our excuse? What's our excuse? Could we go back to the slide about the prayer request, Andy? You know what I think our excuse is when we go back to why we don't hide God's word in our heart, why we don't guard our way according to God's word, it's because we're not praying, asking God for wisdom and insight as we study. We don't have a passion and a love for God's word more than anything else. We don't have a solidified commitment to follow and obey God's word no matter what it would cost or how difficult that may be. And we certainly don't have a conviction to share it with others because we're not even living it and believing it ourselves. It's not because we don't have it. It's not because we don't know it. It's not because we can't access it. It's not even because we haven't heard it. And it's certainly, if it was before you came in, it isn't anymore. It's not because we don't know what to do. Because we're told. We have it. We know it. We've been instructed in it. We have access to it. So what are we doing? What are we doing with it, right? And so when you look at this quickly, how can we guard our way according to God's word? Number one, he says here, seek God with your whole heart, verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Do you remember what he said earlier when he talked about the ones that that would seek him with their whole heart? He said, blessed are those who keep his testimonies. This is in verse 2. Who seek him with their whole heart. That's what the psalmist said, right? Seek him. Blessed are the ones that seek him with his whole heart. Well, is it any coincidence that verse 10 he says, with my whole heart I seek you. How do we keep our way pure? How do we not sin against God? How do we keep our way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. How do we guard it according to God's word? By seeking God with our whole heart. Number two, by not wandering from his commandments. Do not wander from his commandments. You know, when we go to the the beach, when we go to the ocean, my kids like to go out in the waves and they like to jump into the waves and they have like the wave boards that they like to turn around and the waves come in. They like to go on the waves and it brings them all the way in. And so they get kind of bold by like the third or fourth day at the beach where they want to go out a little bit farther and they want to go out a little bit farther and and they want me to go out with them and I can't go out very far before the water's over my head, obviously. And so I'll go out a certain distance and I'm like, this is far enough. And they're like, yeah, we can go out farther. And I'm like, no, we can't. I'm like, because if you guys go under and you're gone, I can't get you. And so they get pretty bold because they just like to go farther and farther and farther away. And eventually they would find themselves so far away that they can't get back because of all that's pulling out to sea. If they go too far, they're not getting back. So I think of when I think of not wandering away from God's commandments. I don't believe any believer that is walking in disobedience to the Lord and not following and obeying his word, starts off by saying, I am just going to blatantly disobey God because I want nothing to do with him. If you're a child of God, chances are that's not your initial thinking. Your initial thinking is the same strategy that Satan tried to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden of, has God really said? Is that really what God said? Is that really what will happen? Is that really what's going to take place? And we begin to just kind of stray a little bit from the commandments of God and from the the word of God, just a little bit, because a little bit's okay. You know what the psalmist says here? If he's going to guard his way according to his word, he is going to seek God with his whole heart, and he says, verse 10, I'm not going to wonder. Let me not wonder from your commandments. God, help me to stay right here, right here, right here. 
Not going to the left, not going to the right, right here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not wandering to the left or to the right. Number three, store up his word in your heart. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, it's one thing to say that I'm going to have God's word in my heart. It's another thing to say I'm going to store it up in my heart. I wonder how is your storage area of God's word in your life, in your mind, in your heart today? What's there? What's left? What do you have there? Guys, listen, if you're not taking in God's word and reading God's word and meditating on God's word, you don't have much storage of God's word in your heart. If your storage unit is filled with Sunday morning and that's it, you probably have a lot of other things in that storage unit than God's word from the week. And he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you seek God with your whole heart? Do you seek to not wonder from his commandments and are you storing up his word in your heart? Number four goes kind of synonymous with this verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Do you love to learn his word? Are you a learner, a student of the word of God? Are you studying as God called to Timothy through Paul, studying to show yourself approved unto God? a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Learn his word. Number five, verse 13, proclaim his word. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. There's a declaration here of the word of God. There's a sharing of the word of God, a proclamation of the word of God. I think one of the biggest reasons we sometimes don't proclaim or teach what God's word says, in particular to people who are lost, is because we would feel very guilty saying things that we ourselves aren't keeping. It's really difficult to talk about the standard of God's word when we know we aren't keeping it. It's really difficult to talk about the change of life that Jesus brings when we believe in the gospel when our life is not demonstrating that change, isn't it? And so what do we have to say? Not much. Not much. But we need to proclaim his word. I love verses 14 and 16, delight in his word. He says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Verse 16, I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I I, I can't even, I don't know how we could even accurately try to understand this, but he says, in your testimonies, the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Think of that. Have you ever bought something, ordered something that you could not wait to get or maybe something that you saved for and you planned for. And when the day finally came that you have enough saved up to purchase it, to order it, to buy it, you order it and then you have to wait for it to show up. And when it shows up, you cannot wait to open that sucker up and use it or whatever. That would be an example of delighting in something. That would be an example of treasuring something and delighting in it. You know what he says about the testimonies, the word of God, the testimonies of the Lord? He says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. He holds the word of God, the testimony of the Lord in such high regard as that which he delights in more than all riches. You see the the value that he's placing upon the word of God. The commands of God, the testimonies of the Lord. The light in his word. Number six, I'm sorry, seven. Meditate on his word. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Allow it to be that which is filling our hearts and filling our minds. That which we talked about at the beginning is guarding our way. And then number eight, not forgetting his word. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Listen, sometimes we can have convenient amnesia when it comes to the word of God, can't we? Have you ever been doing something that you know you probably shouldn't be doing or pursuing and scripture comes to your mind and you're kind of like, I don't want to think about that. Get out of my head. Like, have you ever ever had that happen? 
Like, have you ever had something happen where you're participating in something? It's almost like the Spirit of God is bringing to mind the Word of God that you've meditated on or you've delighted in or you've stored in your heart, and it's coming to your mind. And, and hopefully when it comes to your mind, you're like, man, I, I can't do that. I can't say that. I can't look at that. I can't participate in that because God's Word is convicting my heart and my mind, and it's bringing me back to a point of remembrance that I might not sin against God. And as a result of that Scripture coming into your mind or heart, you resist that temptation or you run away from that temptation or you turn away from that temptation because the word of God that you've stored up in your heart or mind that you've meditated on and that you've loved and you've cherished and you've developed in your life brings you to a point of recognition this is something I will not do against God and he says that we're supposed to meditate on his word we're not to forget his word guys listen when you're facing something in your life When you're facing a trial in your life, when I'm facing a trial in my life, when I'm facing a decision that is hard, when I'm dealing with a relationship that is broken, when I have a trial in my life, whether personally, relationally, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that may be, why are we so slow to turn first to God's word for answers? Sometimes that is our absolute last thought in our mind, is that God might have answers for this in his word. And yet the standard the psalmist set, and if you read Psalm 119 and talk about all that the psalmist thought about, looked, and believed about the word of God, you will see that in every and all situations in life, the ups, the downs, the victories, triumphs, and defeats, when times are good and when times are bad, when he has more than enough and when he doesn't have enough, the word of God, the precepts, statutes, judgments, law, words of God are that which instructs him, sustains him, encourages him, guides him, and leads him. And so too should that be true of our lives as believers. God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, the word of God tells us. It is profitable so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have it. We know it. We've received instruction from it. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? As we close, throw those, please, Andy, those requests one more time for the prayer requests. Might this be true of our lives? Might we pray for wisdom and insight as we study? Might we have a greater passion and love for God's word? Might we have a solidified commitment to follow and obey God's word? And might we have a renewed conviction to share God's word as we are living that out, as we are ambassadors of Christ? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that is just true of you, Lord, and that we see in your word. I pray for every man in this room, every, every one of us, that we would hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you, that we would guard our way according to your word that we might keep our way pure before you. And Lord, that the passion, hunger, desire we have for your word would be seen in the overflow and abundance of our life as we live for you. Help us to tell others about you. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to lead in this area, God. Forgive us when we do not. But let us live in such a way as to give you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.